Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. Today is episode 112 of the podcast, and I get to sit down with leader, content curator, podcaster, and Christian super connector, Brad Lomenick. I've been following Brad's career for a long time since he was in charge of Catalyst many, many moons ago. Brad and I talk about curation of content. We talk about leadership. We talk about the next generation of leaders. This was such a life-giving conversation for me. I really enjoyed the connection. And if you enjoyed this conversation, do me a favor, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And also leave us a rating or review on iTunes. We're trying to get to hundred reviews by the end of the year and we need your help. Reviews on iTunes are kind of like uh, search parameters. They help people find the podcast and hear about what God is doing through this platform. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you who take the time to listen. And I'm really thankful to be a part of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network. This podcast network is all about connecting like-minded individuals in new ways. For more information on Spirit and Truth, check them out, spiritandtruth.life. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Brad Lomenick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have uh, a, one of the kind of a lifelong mentor in my life, in my ministry life, at least. I hope that didn't make you feel old, Brad Lomenick. Uh, Brad, how are you, yes, my friend? It, it does make me feel old. <laughs> mentors, mentors usually have age assigned to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, in, in all fairness, when I started in ministry, uh, I was a little older. And um, you, when you started in ministry, you were a little younger. So there you the go. Gap, there you the go. gap is not as big as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and and one of the things that you do better than most is uh, this idea about curation, right? And, and about gathering both people and content. And so I really want to talk about that uh, for our listeners because I think there's a lot of people out there who are are struggling to figure out uh, what they should be listening to and how they should be listening. So let me start there. How how did you kind of get on the path of putting together information and people for the sake of uh, growth. Well, I, I think I've been doing it for a long, long time. I mean, I think it's part of just wiring for me. Uh, in, in terms of when I think curating and curation, even the idea that you know, in your elementary days or in my elementary days, I was curating friends on the playground. You know, yeah. I mean, I was figuring out like who needs to play on that team and who needs to play on this team, and and who you know who should sit together in, in the cafeteria, and and that was just a natural. I think it's part of natural leadership mm. that you are um, you start to be a filter, but you're not filtering for what's best for you. You're filtering for what's best for for others. Um, now, the reason I'm doing it today is because there's so much noise. Yeah, and the more noise there is, the more information that's just ubiquitous and it's it's readily available. And I don't care what information that is. I mean, it can be like mindless dumb stuff, but it's also like Think of all the um, voices that we have access to now that can truly mentor us or, you know, mentor us from a distance on YouTube and podcast hmm. and, and all these voices that were like, oh, my gosh, those are heroes of mine. And now, you know, we just have thousands and thousands and thousands of choices. So I, I think in the midst of noise and almost paralysis by too many options, we need these curators who are friends, they're third-party friends who say to us, 
listen, I, I've, I've gone through and I've, uh, you know, I've come up with this 10, this list of 10. And I just think that's really valuable for people today. Um, and it's true in terms of what, you know, what I do on my podcast, for example, but also it's true in terms of that. I, so many of, so much of the event world that I now am involved in, Tony, like I'm, I'm trying to curate and create invite only environments, not because I want to be exclusive, yeah. but because my friends are saying, Hey, I trust you to get me together with 15 other people that I may not know, but that, you know, I should know. And when I do that, I'm actually like adding value, but I'm, I'm, I'm creating influence and I'm, I'm in, I'm connecting to people that then they go off and, you know, they change the world. So it, it's, it's still like for me, I mean, to, to, you know, to not be cheesy, but the idea of a catalyst hmm. is that you are, you know, you're a change agent that, that creates a spark that leaves no residue of itself. That's what a catalyst is. Like it's something that creates change, but it's not about them or not about yeah. that. And so I'm, it's just another season for me of, of influence uh, beyond sort of where I've been in the past. And, you know, I just think it's, I think it's most needed right now. Um, and the expert on the experts, you know, that's another way that I would describe it. Like I, I try to be the expert on who the experts are. I don't have to be the expert. Yeah. I just need to be the expert on who the experts are. Hey, so, so let me ask you this. Cause I, I think a lot of people resonate with, uh, they're trying to figure out which voices to listen to and they're trying to find those trusted advisors. Um, how do you know who the right person to curate in versus leave out is? It's a good question. Um, I don't always know. Sure. Um, so I'm, you know, I got to do the homework. Um, I gotta, I gotta be a student of people. I've got to, um, I think so much of the time, what it comes back to is that as you start to build your, your trusted circle, then people will start to, um, actually protect that trusted circle by only curating or inviting in those who should be part of it. Hmm. Right. So the, the power of a, the power of something like Ted, just as one example, yeah, is that there's almost this sense of, of everybody who's been to Ted now protects Ted from becoming something Ted doesn't, doesn't want to become mm. compared to just the opposite, which is, you know, some things, uh, they end up like losing, they lose their, their identity because you've had so many people who've shown up now they don't feel the weight of stewardship of let's keep this only among uh, the people that we want to make sure it's connected to. Um, so to answer your question, I think the best way I do that is by doing my homework, being intentional, uh, being curious, but also that there's, there are people that now that I would say kind of in, are in my slipstream that I, they trust me and I trust them to the point where, if they say, Hey, Brad, we should invite so-and-so. Then I look at that and go done because yeah. I, I just know that they are, they're, they're protecting the thing that, that now we're both trying to build. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, I think that's what true tribe, a, a true tribe is, you know, that Seth Godin talks about like this, sure. this idea that people like us do things like this, you know, and, and when you, when you see movements, that was the thing with catalyst. I think that, that for all those years, one of the real powers of Catalyst 
having more influence was that there was a sense of ownership among the people who attended. Mm. And it was like, really? Like you feel like you're part of this thing? And they're like, yeah. And it, and so much of it was, was, um, was sort of the intangibles, I think of that. There was just a spirit of, of we want this thing to be so great that we're going to, it's not like we're going to not tell people about it, but we almost don't want to tell people about it. Right. Uh, well, I, I can remember telling my lead pastor at the time, I was like, well, this is really just for young leaders. <laughs> exactly. You exactly. know, because I was always really good at tact, but, <laughs> right. but well, there was that sense of like, I'm not even sure I want that other leader to come. Yeah. Not because I don't love them, but I sort of want it to myself or, you know, I only want to, there's, there's like this, this sense of identity that comes from it. And you start to see people that look like that. And we have to be careful that it's not exclusivity. It's not sure. arrogance. It's not all those things, but you know, there is, there's just a, there is a, um, there's a deep seated um, hunger in all of us. And, you know, for every pastor listening, I, I think the, 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 the three greatest felt needs for people today and just the world and culture is, is who am I? Mm. Um, why am I here? And who do I belong to? Yeah. You know, like the identity question, the purpose question, and then the community question. And that community question, who do I belong to is really about the, you know, who, who, who now are you, are you doing life with? Who, who do you feel like you connect most to? This is, this is why like, you know, whoever your sneaker brand is, you know, whoever, whoever you go to for your, you know, your fashion outlet, so much of it is not about the fashion. It's not about what you're wearing. It's about what, how it makes you feel. Mm. Right. It's about, Oh, like, you know, people like us where we, we wear Air Jordans. Uh, right. And that, because it's pretty much all the same leather. Sure. Yeah. Or Tom's or, you know, Sperry's or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, that, that makes sense. It'd be, it's become part of, of our identity and it's, it's become kind of a, a calling card. There's a deeper emotional connection so many times that even going back to the, the question of, you know, how do you, how do you think about the curation side? How do you actually build connection points with, with a circle of people? Well, there's, there's all of a sudden these words you use and there's things you wear and there's things you say and there's, there's the approach that you have. And it's all this mm. stuff that, that now starts to like make up this, this tangible ingredient um, that people, when they see it, they're like, oh, I connect to that. Well, one of the things that I have noticed uh, just kind of watching you from a distance is that you're really good about bringing people in for experiences and that that feels like it's a part of your connection. I, I'm curious, uh, what's your assessment on on the health of leaders coming, hopefully coming out of COVID? I guess you know we can say that safely now. I mean, uh, how, how do you feel like the leaders that are in your circle, the le- leaders you've curated, how are they doing at um, at leading? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think there is a. Um, I think the jury's still out. One mm-hmm. because. Obviously, when you start looking at the, you know, the, the lag measure of eight, 14 or 15 months of a pandemic, we still, we're, it's the wild, wild west still. Like we're, we're yeah. still like trying to figure out how do we actually lead in that? Not, and, and not even to the point of 
what are the measurable results of that? So there's there's still a lot of things to be to be figured out, to be analyzed. The data is not in yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know this. One, um, a lot of leaders who who I would say um, have done well, or, or at least they they feel like they've gotten through this. Um, they the the reason so many of them did is because adaptability, change, um, the ability to pivot, all, all those things were already in play for them. They weren't they weren't necessarily trying to 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 like work out a new um, muscle. Yeah, it was already there. And you know, it's that that idea that crisis creates opportunity. You know, great. Some leaders they they thrive in crisis. Mm-hmm. So the ones who I think have have stepped out of this last season and they look around and go, "Man, I feel like I crushed it," are the ones probably who embrace change naturally. Um, and there's a lot of those. Like, I think I think a lot of leaders actually who are who are pioneer spirits. Yeah. They, if so many of us, so many of us, we almost feel guilty with looking back and going, that was fun. (laughs) Right. Because there's just so much like downside to it. There's so much like death and, and disappointment and frustration. And like a lot of people have really struggled, but you know, there's a lot of pioneers who are like, and if I'm honest, I actually like really thrived during this season. So to me, that's the story that's not getting out there much. Sure. Because we're hearing like the worst thing ever, you know, and yes, but it's also perhaps the best season ever for, for a lot of leaders. So I'm, that was, to be honest, those are a lot of the stories I hear. Yeah. Because I think so many of my friends are pioneers. Like they're like, man, never before have I had more opportunities. You know, never before have I seen this kind of like growth. Um, and you, you know, you're also hearing that from a lot of churches. A lot of churches had their best financial year sure. ever in the history of their church. Now, you could argue that a lot of those are larger. A lot of those, um, they already had mobile or digital giving in place, just, just around one area, which is finances. Mm-hmm. So many of them, they were already set up for, um, for, a, for an opportunity for people to continue to give generously to them through means which didn't have to change much. Right. Right. But I, I mean, I've heard that story over and over from a lot of churches, which is like 2020 was our best year ever financially. I'm like, wait, really? Like, okay. that We're not hearing that on the, you know, on the evening news. Sure. Sure. And I, you know, I think a lot of it obviously has to do with the, the community that you're in and how many jobs were affected and, you know, those kind of things. Of, of course that all plays in, but that, that was certainly the case here for, at restoration. They uh, we, we ended the year in a really strong financial position when we started the pandemic. I, everyone was, you know, we pulled everything back. We pulled back all the reins and said, right. Hey, let's be cautious. And then, you know, going into 2021, it's like, okay, let's, let's open the floodgates here a little bit and see what we can do. And, and so that, that certainly resonates. L- let me make it a little bit more personal for you. Um, you know, you're, you're a consultant, author, speaker, you do a lot of different things. How, how did you survive the pandemic and, and how do you feel now about yourself coming out? Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually like, I would say two sides of the same coin. One mm-hmm. is that, uh, never, never in the last like 25 years 
did I ever slow down as much as I had to Me- meaning like taking more time to, to, to exercise, to you're a big wilderness guy, right? Yeah. Hunting, yeah. fishing. Yeah. I, I did see a picture of you on Instagram fishing with AirPods in that everyone was talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, wait, is that is that even is that even legal? It's like, don't ignore the fish. That's a good looking fish. Exactly. Yeah, but I was, you know, at that I, I was probably like listening to a podcast. Uh, yeah, I think you said you were listening to worship. I kind of read through some of the comments. You're like, yeah, or, I was or, listening to some worship and fishing. Yeah, there you and, go. But you know, that's how we fill our buckets, right? Exactly. So on that side, I felt like I would have. The, 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 the pandemic forced a, a break for every single person in the world hmm. and me being one of those. And I wouldn't have slowed down, you know? Sure. I mean, so that, that was like, thank you. I mean, that, that was life-giving. So, and also now it's that question of, okay, what are the, what are the things that happened during the pandemic that we now want to keep in place hmm. going forward? And this is true both in your personal life for me. It's also like, well, why, why, why can't I spend a lot of time hunting and fishing? And, you know, why, why am I like putting those things to the side, snow skiing, like anything outdoors? I need to like, I need to put those rocks in first yeah. into the new, you know, the sort of the new rhythm of schedule. But the other thing is there's, there's also these, these ad- adaptions and pivots that I've seen a lot, especially a lot of churches do that. Now I'm like, wait, guys, don't, don't kill that. Like what, why are we getting rid of the daily Bible study that was happening at noon, Monday through Friday during the pandemic that every marketplace leader was like, thank you for finally creating something that I can be part of Mm. that allows me to like get in the word in a very, a very like appropriate, but also convenient way. And a lot of churches are now like they're they're going back to, well, let's just go back to what we were doing before. You know, right. Sunday's coming. Let's program Sunday. Let's like put our energy back into attendance. And I'm I'm kind of waving the flag, going stop. I mean, yes, that's important. But all those things that you started during the pandemic, like let's let's not kill all those. Let, let's keep seventy five percent of them around because. You didn't think they were important as the pastor, right? But everybody else in your congregation was like, "Finally, you're you're finally getting the idea of like Monday through Friday really does matter." Yeah, and and making content available whenever somebody wants to consume it just feels like the church might then only be a decade behind the rest of the world <laughs> instead of several decades behind. Yeah, as, exactly. As sometimes we're accustomed to, and you can argue, you know, around content. Um, and I get it, like. You know, but at the same time, discipleship. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's that idea of of so many churches were putting discipleship metrics and and outlets in place daily or at least like weekly that look like Tuesday night or Wednesday morning or Wednesday at noon or, you know, Thursday get together. Um, And so many of those things now we're all as 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 participants and and owners and creators in the house, you know, the local church house, we're all saying, Hey, I, I know we got to get back to Sunday, but let's, let's make sure we don't get rid of the stuff that actually is helping us grow as followers of Jesus. And, you know, it's just, it's so easy for any of us. I don't care who you are to, to go back 
like the idea of let's go back to what it was March of 2020. And we got to be really careful about, about that. Well, and I, I think one of the gifts of all of this is the pruning that happens in churches that, you know, like there, there's no longer an excuse to say, Hey, well, somebody in your church doesn't know how to do a zoom meeting or somebody in your church, right. like at, at this point in time, if you don't know how to get on a version account and do the Bible reading plan, like it's only because you chose not to do it. You know, now we've done, we've done video, tut- we forced ourselves to do video tutorials and to make house calls. I, I was pastor slash IT for at least a couple of months, <laughs> exactly. you know, and, and so that's a, I think that's a really, that's a really good word. Um, you, you know, as I look at your kind of body of work, one of the things that I see pretty consistently is, is you have kind of pivoted at, at, at either the right time or you made the time right later, you know, whether that be catalyst or some of the work that you do now. Um, I, I'm always love to ask people, how do you hear from God in those big life-changing moments? Like what's your, what are your, what are your practices to hear from God? Man, I, I, I feel like I should be asking you that question. <laughs> not, not, to, not to volley it back like Serena Williams, you know, hitting it back across the net. But <laughs> I mean, I, I know this, like I'm, um, I, I would say I, I, I'm really intentional about listening to other people Mm. and that the wise mentors or sages in my life that, that have permission to speak Mm. truth over me, but also like speak prophetically into me. Yeah. Um, I always am giving more permission to them and I'm actually seeking it out. I'm, I'm actually hungry for it in, in moments of transition. Yeah. Almost to the point of being annoying. (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, like, again, and again, just think of, for me, again, I think of like people, people who have said things, whether it's pastors or, or authors or just voices that I have access to. I'm like, listen, this is important to me. This is a season I need you to actually like seek God on my behalf. Mm. And, and you know, what's interesting about that? I found it may just be me. But I found that that actually is life-giving to those people to like, they, they actually, I I almost think I don't want to bother you. Right. And they're like, about time you asked. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's the Peter Timothy principle, right? Like when we, when we look at Peter's writing, he talks about Timothy and he says, this is my spiritual son in the faith. Everybody wants to tout their spiritual son or daughter, right? Yes. And it feels like that's exactly what you're saying. You got it, man. But I mean, part of me, I'm like, you're busy and I know you get thousands of texts and here, here's what I find about those kind of people too, is they are busy, but they're really not busy. Like they have margin that yeah. the reason they are who they are is because they create margin to respond, you know? So, um, I'm actually giving them the opportunity to lean in mm. and to live out what meant for many of them is a sense of their calling. So that's, that's my, I mean, I, I find the most value usually from the people around me speaking truth back into me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like in this season more recently, and this, I think it's just spiritual maturity, um, that I'm like praying for much more of what I would say, like is, is supernatural revelation of God. Mm. And that's a, um, I think that's a discernment gift. I think it's a wisdom gift. And I'm hoping it's true for, for like 
me hearing the voice of God. Yeah. But I'm finding that actually it's like I'm starting to do what I'm I was doing to those other people. <laughs> I'm starting to like to have these moments where I I will say to somebody again, usually younger, yeah. hey, listen, I'm I'm sensing that like there's this going on in you. And I, I think this is something that I need to speak to you. It may be totally off. And what it is, is it's I, I feel like it's it's God gifting me and the spirit gifting me with supernatural revelation. Sure. And um and now I'm like, man, I want more of that. Yeah. Because when I when it gets validated, and sometimes I'm totally off. Sometimes it's like, that's goofy, Brad. Like, I don't know what you're saying. But a lot of times it's like, man, you you just you just said something that is life shifting. And the more you get of that, the more you want of that. I found anyway for me. So hey, I'm no, amen. Amen. Listen, I I yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I, I think um well, I mean, you can never have enough of the Holy Spirit. That, exactly. I mean, I mean wh- why not, you know, the advocate and all the things that, and when you live that, uh, I was reading the other day in Acts, right? And it says spirit enabled, right? And I just want to live a spirit enabled life. And that feels like that is right on on target with what you, you're talking about there. Like, hey, I'm just spirit enabled. I'm just going with it. Absolutely, man. Well, and, and that's, you know, again, for anybody who's thinking about like how they approach culture, uh, people in culture who are lost as a goose, mm. they 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 want all of God still. Yeah. So, you know, the old days of we sort of show up with with this you know this JV version of God. Uh, I just think people walking in, whether they're walking into your church or not, they are saying, "Okay, I'm not even sure where to start, but just give it all to me." So that the the place where you find exit exit exegesis and expression. You know, that's where the hot zones are, I think. Well, I, I think, you know, if you if you couple this with what's happening in the with the pandemic, what we've got is this kind of God-ordained collision between experiential, Holy Spirit-filled worship and really good opportunities to engage on every other day of the week. You know, and that exactly. feels that feels like where the the next um, leg of the the church history will be hopefully. I mean, that's my prayer at least. I I think that's how we get to revival. I think. I agree, man. I mean, you know, look at what Maverick City Music, man, has and their pop up, up worships and oh. all these things, and yeah, I mean, those cats. I mean, I don't. I you know, I know some of them, but it it really is like uh, just a fresh experience. Yeah, and and again, it's. It's a, uh, it's a mashup. It's, it's unity. It's, it's, um, you know, it feels like it's not, it's not anti, it's not anti what it has been. It's not a, it's not like a, you know, um, I'm responding to something that I didn't like, but it's just a fresh expression. And, mm. you know, every generation has a fresh expression. That's, that's why I look, like when I, when I, again, when I think of catalyst or other movements, but I'll just talk about catalysts, like, um, the, you know, the, the, the power of 20 years of gathering leaders, like if that, if, if Catalyst never gathers, if, if Catalyst never does another event, yeah. it's like, man, that was a great run guys. That was 20 years of like incredible impact on a generation. And sometimes like we need to just, we need to let those things stop yeah, or, or die or move on because God uses it for a certain season. 
and then there's a fresh expression. Mm. And so many times, you know, movements, churches, events, you're like, wait, you're still around? <laughs> and and some of us need to like, we need to fire ourselves. you know, yeah. like we don't need to be the 60 year old still trying to like, still trying to lead the young leader movement. Mm. And everybody's looking at us going, seriously, bro, like, I love you, but stop enough already. Like that it's time for a new leader to take the reins and create something different. Well, and, and for all of our listeners, if you haven't, uh, if you, if you haven't listened to Brad on Carrie Newhoff's podcast episode, I think it was 25 or 27. I'll link to it in the show notes, but you, you tell the story about when, when you got tapped out of catalyst and it, it is, it is one of those moments in, I think in life where it, it just, it was time and you knew it was time and it was still, but that didn't make it any less hard. No, no, it, it was hard, man. And it was, it took an outside force. It took a guy <laughs> named Steve Cockrum, you know, right. to, like to read me, read me the correct mail and be like, bro, you're done. Like, let's, let's kill Callis Brad. It's time to shoot him in the head. We love him, but you know, it's time for a new season. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a really good prayer. I think, uh, for the church and for our friends who are listening and just like, let's lean into that next season. Cause it does feel like things are, are shifting. Um, let, and, it does, let me ask, and, and let me just say this. Yeah. My story is not everybody's story. Cause some people say, well, Brad, does that mean I have to like, I have to like, I can't have a run for 40 years in the same seat. No, it doesn't mean that. But you know, like we know, like we're smart, we're, yeah. we're common sense. Like we know when we're, when everybody around us is like whispering and going, seriously, uh, when is, when is he or she ever going to realize that like it's time. And so what we don't want to do is be the last one, mm. right? We want to, we want to bury Sanders that thing, not, right. not Brett Farvitt. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. So uh, l- let me ask you this. I, you've got this uh, new-ish. You, I mean, you're, I think you're 40 some odd episodes in to this podcast. Uh, what's your, what's your big vision with this? What do you, what do you hope to, what do you hope to do with it? I don't know, man. I, listen, <laughs> you're, I should be asking you that question. Like, Give give me some advice. Uh, uh, my I mean, advice is seek after people you want to talk to. Well, listen, truly, like that. I just like talking to my friends. Yeah, and yeah. turn on the recorder and let other people listen. Mm. Um, but it, I mean, my big vision, truly, to answer your question, is curation. I mean, the reason I'm doing this podcast because there's there's tons of other podcasts. I don't. We didn't need another podcast. Um, but but I want to curate. So links, recommendations, resources, yeah, you know, books to read, p- podcasts to listen to. If I'm doing that, then I I can actually like add value. I think that is helpful. So that that's for me the win is I'm trying to create the podcast that I want to listen to, which is give me a few links that I can like click on and then go read that article, and that's a win. And you do that with your newsletter too, right? Like, and yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the best place for our friends who are listening to connect with you online? Yeah, either h three h three leadership dot com. That's the podcast website, or um, I mean, bradlominick dot com is my website, but it's kind of lame. To be honest, (laughs) I haven't changed it in years, man. I need a I need a over (laughs) I need a I need a redo. Um, And then same handle on all the social media. Yeah. But I don't, I don't post a lot. So I do a lot of listening. 
<laughs> That's really good. Uh, okay, last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice yeah. question. It's an advice question. You, you have to go back and give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to pick the time in your life where I get to take you to. So in this particular case, um, I'm going to take you to the, the day after you had the conversation with Steve. Um, and so I, I, if you could go back and talk to that younger version of yourself, what advice would you say? Listen, this is a great question. I'm stealing this from you, Tony. But I, I do it I'm at the end of every episode. Please do. Gosh, this is such a good question. So I'm so the day after, I'm sitting in my office and I'm like, okay, the, the tension between we have an event coming up, because mm. that was August of 2013, I think. We have an event coming up in like 60 days, 50, 50 days. And now I'm 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 dealing with the tension of he just told me that I need to take a sabbatical this fall. Wow. And what does that mean? And am I like have I already made the decision without making the decision that it's time for me to move on? Mm. So the, the, the tension of like, there's this massive thing coming up. We're planning for, for the next year, a year out already. Sure. So what am I supposed to work on right now? Like I'm looking (laughs) at my desk, like which, which pile do I, do I start to unpack or, you know, figure out Right. (laughs) compared to like, well, should I start getting some sabbatical books and, start booking a trip to London to hang out with Steve and like, Mm. you know, like, so the, the, the tension I felt was, was, wow, this is like, this is a, this is a moment of, uh, of real lack of clarity. Mm. Um, now what I would say to that leader is, is, well, you already knew the answer, Brad. Mm. That's what I would say. You already know the answer. You, you know, you, you were just waiting on somebody to tap you on the shoulder to give you permission to like feel okay about, about looking around going, boy, it might be time to transition to something new. So that's the thing that I would tell myself is you already know it. it so let's, let's start putting things in place, which would have meant like literally that day, I probably should have been saying to Tyler Reagan or somebody else on the team, like, all right, guys, come in, listen, we're transitioning. <laughs> and I've already made the decision. Now we don't need to tell everybody, but let's start putting things in place compared to like, am I still going to be okay? And, you know, well, I I'm really needed because I got to make that decision on who's speaking next year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I just think when you know, you know, and when, when you feel that so many of us as, 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 as highly ambitious leaders, we don't want to be seen as a quitter. Yeah. But man, transitions are good. Transitions are healthy. Transitions happen. And if we give ourselves permission to feel freedom in it, it just changes the way we approach it. Amen. That's there a, you go. That's a great answer. Brad, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today it's and a blast. connecting. I really enjoyed it. And I, I really hope to connect uh, again in the future. Loved it, man. Thanks. I told you guys, what a great conversation with Brad. I'm so thankful for his time, his generosity. Don't forget to check out some of his episodes. Subscribe to the H3 podcast. Let him know that you heard about him here on the Reclamation podcast. As always, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Maybe share this episode with a friend. And uh, let's continue to stay connected. If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to be willing to move.